Well, good morning. One more time. Good morning. Welcome to Wednesday Chapel. My name is Paul Brandis. I'm chaplain of the college and associate VP for student life. It is a joy to gather with you. Uh, we've got an awesome guest speaker who is with us. His name is Mike Barter. He is the lead pastor of Grace Community Fellowship Church. That is in Hillsboro. We know what else is in Hillsboro, don't we? Go Tabor. Boo. Go Tabor. Mike, you said, Mike said go Tabor. I'm not even going to look at him right now. Um, but we did have him here anyway. Mike is part of a group of churches that actually helped start King's Cross Church, one of the uh, the church that I help pastor up in Lyons, Kansas with Pastor Caleb. Um, and so it is a fun thing to have him this morning. We do ministry together. Was just in a meeting with him yesterday morning talking about a new church plant that our group of churches is getting ready to help support in El Dorado, Kansas. So I work actively with Mike. I know how much he loves Jesus and how much he loves college students. I mean, it's the wrong college students, but he does love college students over at Tabor. And so I'm thrilled to have him here this morning. He is accompanied by uh, his associate pastor, Nathan, who's a 2014 Sterling grad. So we forgive Mike a little bit for that because he hired someone uh, from our ranks and uh, we're thrilled to have him here today. He's got a great message from God's word. Uh, before we do that, I'll say to you guys, yeah. Yeah, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord to make his face to shine upon you. The Lord to uh, make his countenance shine upon you and to give you peace. Thank you guys so much. all pray with me. Lord, we just thank you so much that we can gather and just worship your name. Um, God, I just pray for each of these students that um, if they don't know who you are, that you would reveal yourself to them um, before they leave for this semester. Um, Lord, just be with each of them as they finish out their classes. Um, just help them finish strong and help them just to stay motivated and be able to get everything done that they're supposed to. We're so thankful for each and every one of them, and I pray that the rest of this semester would um, just be really refreshing and that we would just um, show them how much we appreciate all of them. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Morning. I want to thank you guys for having me. Uh, just to let the forensic and team bait, uh, debate team know, my wife is one of those as well, and I lose every battle at home. So I know what it's like to be married to somebody that can debate well. And so well, I want to get started. I would assume people in here, there are some people in here that like to have a plan, right? You're a goal setter. You know where you're going, you type of people. You just have that plan set out, and you're going to achieve it. Well, there's probably also some people in here that are more like, hey, let's see what tomorrow brings. That's me. Okay, and so here's a little bit about my background. I was born and raised in St. Louis, outside St. Louis. I began my college career, began five colleges, Southwest Arkansas, I started out as an aviation major. I wanted to fly planes to be a pilot. Um, I got 21 hours of flight plans. I realized that I get airsick, um, so I figured that's probably not what I should be doing. So, and it was expensive, so freshman, sophomore, or second semester of my freshman year, I changed degrees to aviation business. Just made sense. I'm in the aviation field, so I'll go into business. Um, and so did that, and then my junior year, I transferred to another school in central Arkansas to actually just be closer with some friends, and so I changed my degree to business administration because they didn't have an aviation program, so I was like, okay, whatever. The summer before my senior year, I would meet my wife. We were working as counselors at Canacuck Camps in Branson, Missouri, and met there that summer before my summer, senior year. We met in May, got engaged in October, the same month I would drop out of college, 
Yes, it was the fall semester of my senior year. You heard that right. Dropped out of college and got married four months later. Six months into married life. I'm working at Amazio's Pizza as a shift leader. Shift leader, things are good. I'm like, things are good. My wife is a planner, opposite of me. And she comes and asks me, she goes, is this really what you're going to do for the rest of your life? I'm like, well, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. Did you realize who you married? I dropped out of school to get married. I, I mean, didn't have land. And in my head, I'm like, what's the problem? We actually get pizza and salad at a discounted rate all we want. I'm like, this isn't that bad. But I did. I started thinking about her question, and, and one day, this is it. This is how it came about. I said, one day, maybe I'll be a firefighter. I didn't even know what it takes to be a firefighter. didn't really understand. I just said, maybe I'll be a firefighter. Now, I don't have time to share all these details, but in short, I ended up getting my certifications through Hutch Community College, moved to my hometown outside St. Louis, where in July of 1998, I got hired as a full-time firefighter EMT, EMT with these 27 other guys. That's me. Yes, I used to be physically fit. That is me over there in the yellow, over there. So I worked there 12 and a half years, and during that time, I did end up finishing my bachelor's degree in fire prevention. Now, again, this is a whole other story how this came about, but seven years into my fire service, I felt God's leading that I need to go to seminary. Didn't want to leave the fire service, didn't really know what it meant to go to seminary for me, but I just started taking classes while I worked at the fire department. Now, if you were to ask me back then, what type of ministry will I would think I would be serving in? Number one, it would be part-time because I did not see myself leaving the fire service. I loved the fire service. I loved being a firefighter. Number two, I was pursuing a Master's of Divinity in Christian Education Administration, so I thought maybe I would be an education guy, discipleship guy, even a youth guy. I liked being in youth ministry and doing youth stuff. I did not see myself as a senior pastor, as a preacher. Even in seminary, I took teaching classes, not preaching classes. I've never had a preaching class on how pastors should preach. This is how God works. In July, or in January 2011, I end up leaving the fire service to be the senior pastor, the preaching pastor of the church that my wife and I had been tending for about six years. And this was back in Missouri. And then in 2015, my wife and I moved to Newton, Kansas to help take care of my wife's parents. And during that time, I worked as an event coordinator at the Meridian Center in Newton. Then I got a job at Hutch Community College actually teaching fire science courses, so I'm back in the fire service area. And in 2018, again, a whole other story, I end up becoming the lead pastor at Grace Community Fellowship Church in Hillsborough, Kansas. Yes, where Tabor College is located. But I really want to focus on something else this morning that happened my freshman year of college that really changed my life. See, I was raised in a Christian home, going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. If you are one of those, I mean, it, church has changed since I grew up. We were there when the doors were open. We were there every time there was an event. We were at church. If there was something going on, we were involved in it. Youth choir, youth council, youth trips, weekend events. We were a church-involved family. My parents, to the point, my parents would not let me pay traveling baseball because we traveled on Sundays. It was sometime during my elementary school days that I professed faith in college and was baptized. Jump forward to my freshman year of college. On the first day of arriving on campus, the frat guys are there helping unload cars, and they invite me to a party for incoming freshmen that night. I could not say bye to my parents fast enough. 
here's my mentality going into college. I want nothing to do with God. I'm done with church. I'm done with religion. I'm tired of it. It's just a bunch of rules. And I was ready to let go. I'm eight hours from home. One day walking across campus, there's a table set up to sign up for this student ministry that's on campus called Student Mobilization. To this day, I do not know why I took the time to put my name and room number on that piece of paper and turn it in. As a result of that, the campus director, his name's Tim, started coming by my dorm room wanting to visit and connect with me and share things with me and all those things, things that ministers want to do, right? It got to the point that I would actually hide in my closet in my dorm room and have my roommate tell him that I was not there. There was one time, my, my, Tim stopped by, and my roommate asked door. I'm in the closet, and he goes, he, to my roommate, he goes, can I share some stuff with you? Fifteen minutes, I listen to them talk while I'm in the closet. Eventually, I did give in to Tim, and we started meeting on a regular basis, and we even became really, really close friends. I became the MC of our large group meeting on campus, which then met people started knowing me on campus and started to get to know me who were involved with that, and they connected Tim and I together. But at the same exact time, I was going to parties and having an intoxicating good time at those parties. One weekend, my best friend from high school comes down for a visit. We went to a frat party, got drunk, got in his car, drove over to the park just to catch up. The cops show up. They give us both the sobriety test. We both fail. Take him to jail. They tow his car. They put me in the cop car and drop me off at the fraternity house where the party is going on. Now it's known on campus what, <laughs> what happened. I even had to beg for money from some of the guys to help get my friend out of jail and get his car out of impound. A few weeks go by. Tim doesn't mention a thing about it. I know he knows what's happened. I mean, it's there. But he doesn't mention anything about it. One day we're driving in the car, and he says to me, Mike, I need to ask something of you. I need you to make a choice, and whichever choice you know, Mike, I, I want you to know I love you, I care for you, we are still going to be friends with whatever choice this is, but here's the choice. You either need to stop calling yourself a Christian and go live the life you want to live, go do whatever it is you're wanting to do, go do it, have fun with it, but stop calling yourself a Christian or call yourself a Christian and at least seek to live as Christ has called you to because you're killing my ministry. He went on to share how he was sharing the gospel with other students on campus and talked to them about Christian life and the Christian faith and what it would mean for their lives. And the response to him was a constant, Tim, you're telling me this how I'm supposed to live as a Christian, but your best bud, who we know you spend time with, lives no different a life than I live. It hit me. I don't remember the time frame. I don't remember how it happened, weeks, days, but at some point I realized all this time I'd been living out my parents' faith, my parents' belief. I'd been living out what I was taught to do. I did things to please my parents. I even went forward as a child and was baptized because my friends were doing it, because that's what you were told to do. Go and confess, you know, walk down front, get baptized. That's what you do as a Christian. And I can remember in my dorm room today, I don't remember the exact day, but I can remember a day that I made a decision that I personally want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to follow Christ because I believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone. 
And as a follower of Christ, as one who has confessed that, I personally want to be obedient to God's ways. And it was from that point that Tim started investing in me, teaching me how to read the Bible. He taught, we memorized scripture together. He gave me books to read. We would go and play basketball together. We would hang out. I actually lived with him and his life, wife for a short stint um, due to some issues. And so we did life together. He invested and poured into me. He discipled me. And so I say all that to ask you this. How about you? Do you call yourself a Christian? Why? If you do call yourself a Christian, why? What makes you a Christian? Would people say you're a Christian by how you live your life? Some things to think about. Do simply calling yourself a Christian mean that you're a Christian? Just because I say I'm a Christian, does that make me a Christian? Does doing religious things like going to chapel, going to a weekly Bible study, going to whatever it is, singing on the praise team, does that make me and mean that I am truly a Christian? See, I've come to realize this. Christianity isn't about behavior modification. Christianity is a change of lordship over one's life. See, if you had asked me before my freshman year if I, if I believed in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that has paid the price for my sins, I would have said, yeah, I believe it. But it was a head knowledge, not a heart knowledge. It's what I was taught. I knew it because they taught you in the books that that's what it is. But also, if you would have asked me if Jesus was Lord of my life, I would have had to say no. He wasn't. I wanted to live my life. But look at Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. The word for Lord is master. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. See, it's both of those. Confessing Jesus is Lord and belief in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection equals salvation. It's a belief from the heart, not a mind, a belief of the heart that results in justification. Justification is when we are made right with God. That God has paid the price for our sins and we are made right through His crucifixion. And confessing Jesus as Lord is actually putting my life back into its rightful order, its rightful place, that God is Lord and Master over all. Let me explain it this way. Do you believe we live in a broken world? Do you believe we live in a broken world? And what I mean with that, with the death of an infant, with the murder of another human being, with natural disasters and cancers, that something inside of us just says that doesn't feel like the way it's supposed to be. See, here's the thing. When I say I broke something, so I broke a glass or I broke my leg, what does that infer? It infers that that thing, that leg or that glass, used to be a certain way. It was designed a certain way. There's an original design, but it is no longer that way. If I don't believe that we live in a world that is broken, then I'm saying that there is no original design, that death, disease, and natural destructions shouldn't upset us. It shouldn't make us mad. It shouldn't surprise us. It's just the way things are. These things just happen in life. But if we believe our world is broken, then I am saying there is an original design. If you believe the world is broken, you're acknowledging with that fact that there is an original design, which I would call God's design. <coughs> but how did we get from God's design to brokenness? 
sin. Disobedience to God's ways. Genesis 2. And the Lord commanded the man saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but you shall of the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. For the wages of sin is death. See, the result of sin is this. Humans will not live forever. They will die physically. Spiritually, humans are dead. Man is separated from the presence of God. And the world that we live in is dying, and it will come to an end. Which means, as long as we live on this earth, no one can completely escape the effects of brokenness. Everyone endures hardship because of that brokenness, and every one of us contribute to the brokenness of this world on a regular basis. See, if you look at this next pick, these little squiggly lines are our attempt to fix the brokenness. Drugs, alcohol, divorce, relationships, pleasures, whatever. We're constantly seeking. We acknowledge we live in a broken world. There's something not right. I'm not happy. There's things not. How can I fix it? I'm constantly trying to fix it. And here it is. We can't fix the brokenness. But God didn't leave us in our brokenness either. God had an answer for the brokenness. And that answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Son of God came to this earth, born of a virgin, became a man who was beaten, whipped, and crucified on a cross, paying the price for our sins, bearing the wrath of God that we deserve so that we might be justified through his faith, through faith, through his death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is the only solution to the brokenness because it's the only thing that addresses sin. So what do we do? What is our part in this? Jesus says in Mark 1, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. To repent is a change of direction, but it's not just a change of direction. So I'm going this way, and I change and go this way, but it's actually a little more. It's an actually a change of my mind with regards to God and his ways. See, repentance is a change of one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard of sin and righteousness. I realize what sin is. I realize the, the seriousness of it and the wrong of doing it. And so I'm not just going a different direction. I'm going away from it and not wanting to do it because I realize the seriousness of it. John Piper says the most fundamental change of heart and mind that repentance calls for is to treasure God with all that you are and to treasure Jesus more than all other relationships. Here's the truth for some so-called Christians. See, in this diagram, they stop right here. This is where it stops for them. I believe in the gospel. There's no repentance. I'm not changing my mind with regards. I still want to, that was me. Still want to go live my life, didn't care about drunkenness and what the Bible had to say about drunkenness. I wanted the, the salvation that Christ had to offer and the benefits, but I didn't want to sur surrender my life to him. See, we have to remember, even the demons have a knowledge and a belief of who Jesus is. But it doesn't mean they're saved. Romans 10 again, confess Jesus is Lord and believe in the heart in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Because Christianity does not stop here. This is not the end of the diagram. See, with repentance, we now recover and pursue God's original design. 
We understand that there's a design that God had initially established that is broken due to sin. Now through the Gospel, we seek to pursue that and understand that. We describe that as becoming like Christ. Becoming like Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves or do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you indeed fail the test? If you look at that verse, what is my test? What is my litmus test to find out if I actually, I call myself a Christian, I say I'm a Christian, how can I, what's the test to find out if I am a Christian? Are you becoming like Christ? Would Christ talk the way you talk? Would Christ be involved in the activities that you're involved in? Would Christ live how you live your life? Would people actually mistake you for Christ in how you live your life? Can you actually go to people and repeat this verse that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Can I say that as a believer? See, as Christians, as Christ followers, we're told in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and do what? Give glory to God. My life, I'm living my life in such a way that it points people to Christ. Can that be said about your life if you call yourself a Christian? That you're pointing people to Christ. And how do we do this? How do we seek to do this? It's living full of the Spirit, not in the flesh. Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Have you crucified the flesh and its passions and desires? Are you seeking to crucify the flesh and its passions and desires as a believer? Calling yourself a Christian, being involved in religious activities does not make a person a Christian. You cannot be saved by works. We cannot work hard enough to be saved. So if you call yourself a Christian, yet you desire to live however you want, please stop calling yourself a Christian. You're not earning any brownie points with God. And the other thing is, if you're not living or seeking to live as Christless, you're actually defaming the name of Christ, and I guarantee He is not pleased with that. See, Christianity isn't about behavior modification. It's a change in lordship over one's life which results in a changed life of us becoming like Christ, seeking to become like Christ. Titus 2 for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly possessions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us all from lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession, who are zealous for what? Good works. God-glorifying works. 
people who want to glorify God by how they live their lives. For those of you who are in here are Christians, I have a word of encouragement for you. I want to encourage you to find somebody outside of your peer group, outside of your direct connection, to disciple you personally, to spend time with, to help you grow as a believer, who will be willing to call you out when they see things in your life that are not good for you and still love you. Someone who will help you grow in life, in all areas of life, spiritual, relational, that are just there for you, that are outside your context of what you're going through, and allow them to invest in your life. I currently meet with a recent graduate of Tabor College on a weekly basis, as well as a current Tabor student on a weekly basis. I also cook a meal for five guys, two of them, those two are in it, five other guys that we meet on a weekly basis and just have a meal together and just visit and have time together. And I can tell you this, I've heard from them that it has benefited them hugely, but I have grown and I have been blessed by that time probably more than them. Here's the thing, it will not happen in your life unless you become fat. (laughs) I took that literally in my life. And here's what I mean by fat. You need to become faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful to the relationship, you need to find that person that you won't bail on, that you won't cancel on, that you may change the schedule, but you're going to constantly meet with them. You're going to make a commitment to that relationship, and we are going to meet on a basis, whatever it is, whatever sacrifice it takes, I'm going to be faithful to that relationship. I'm going to be available to meet You're going to make this time a priority and you need a willingness to learn, a willingness to grow and desire through this time together and take advantage of that time growing you for what's to come in your life. Why? Because it doesn't stop with you. You know what would have happened with Tim? If I wouldn't have carried out what he spent hours and hours of doing in my life, if I would have never taken what he learned and done it outside of that relationship, it would have been a failure. Scripture tells us, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, this isn't just for you to be discipled. This is for you to grow in Christ that at some point you then repeat that process again and again and again and again and entrust it to faithful people. So are you willing to be fat in a good way this way? Faithful, available, and teachable. Find time to spend with others. I hope you will. It will benefit you immensely in college. It changed the direction of my life in college, of being that and somebody investing their time in me. And I hope you'll do the same. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the students that are here, their willingness to come and be a part of this time. Lord, I pray that you will use the word in your lives however you see fit, that you will move Soften hearts, whatever it is that they need, whether it's a confession of sin, whether it's a need of turning to you, um, whether it's a repentance, whether it's a desire to, for discipleship, Lord, I pray you would encourage them and work in their lives that they would seek to glorify you in all that they say and do. I thank you for just allowing us the freedom in America to come as a Christian college to worship you and praise you and study your word in this type of setting. And so thank you for Paul and those that lead in the, those on the campus here that lead in this so that this the students can be encouraged and equipped through your word and be prepared for what is to come in the life to come for them, Lord. And so just 
Thank you for this time, and may you be glorified through it. In your name we pray. Amen.